this Christmas series, we've talked about how God's presence changes everything. And instead of getting caught up in all the things that we got to do, all the stuff that we got to clean, all the stuff that we got to bake, all the people that are coming over to our house that we may or may not like, you know, all these things that are happening in this season, we should focus on Jesus. And when we do that, we experience his presence in a fresh new way. And that's what this series has been about. A few moments ago, you heard uh, the Christmas story out of Luke 2. Luke was a doctor, and he was like the historian of the early church, right? He was like the one, he was like the history channel of the early church. That's what Luke was. And so you see, uh, in, when you're, you're reading his story, there's a bunch of like facts that he's giving you. And this happened, and these people showed up, and this is where he was, and da 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 like that. And so that's how Luke taught the Christmas story. He wrote uh, his namesake gospel, the gospel of Luke, uh, chronicling the life of Jesus. And later, he wrote Acts, which was the birth of the church. And so he wanted to make sure that he was giving the church, like his gift to the church, and that's, that's us, you and me today. His gift was just giving a very historical account of what happened, a historical account of Christ's birth. Last week, we looked at Isaiah, who prophesied hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus about the long-awaited hope of the world, right? And in John, in John's gospel, when he talks about Jesus coming, he talks about Jesus being God and God becoming flesh, and he says this in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him there was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and in the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word, so he says in the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is verse 14. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So you see Luke's historical account, Isaiah's account of hope, John's account about how God has come to the world. But today I want to look at Matthew's account, because when Matthew is telling the nativity story, he's doing it from a slightly different focus. If you look at Matthew's gospel, Matthew mentions the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God 37 times. Matthew mentions the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God 37 times. And so when we look at Isaiah, we see that hope is coming. When we look at Luke, we see that Jesus is born. When we look at John, we see that God has come. But when we look at Matthew, we see that the king has come. And you may ask yourself, which one of these is correct? Which one of these is the right one? Which one of these is the right version of this story? And, and, and it, you know, it's, it's understandable because they're all kind of telling the same story, but from a completely different angle. And when, when, um, when we, you and I look at things, like when we look at a picture, we see it in two dimensions. You see it when I'm looking at a picture, like on my phone, or I'm looking at a painting in an art gallery, I see it in two dimensions. I see it this, this dimension and this dimension, right? You don't see it in 3D, right? So you see things in two dimensions because of this limited view it's difficult to get a picture a full picture of what's happening for example i got this piece of paper right here and if i hold this piece of paper like this right and again you're only seeing it two dimensions what do you see what is that it's a circle right if i hold it like this you're seeing it's a cylinder right if i hold it like this it's a rectangle if i hold it like this it's a thin line right which of those are accurate if you've never seen a piece of paper before but that's the only view that i gave it to you right? 
however you're looking at it, would be how you think that the story happened. But what happens in the Bible is the Bible gives us a bunch of different accounts from different points of view of the Christmas story so you and I can get a fuller understanding of what is happening in this story. We can get a fuller understanding of what God is trying to do by sending his son. Each of those statements, when we looked at the the, the piece of paper, it looked like a circle. That was correct like a rectangle. That was correct. It looked like a thin line. That was correct. Each one is 100% correct, but when you put them all together, you get a full picture of what God is trying to do. As the Bible tells us the same story in different ways, it's not like Luke is right and Isaiah is wrong or John's version is better than Matthew's. On the contrary, each version gives us a clear perspective of what's going on. Isaiah, hope is coming. Isaiah six verse, or 9 verse 6 uh, says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. In Luke, Luke, Jesus is born, and she gave birth to a son. This is Luke 2 verse 7. Uh, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Again, facts, 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 facts. That's what Luke is doing. When we look at John, we read this a little earlier. John's uh, God has come and the word became flesh, John 1 verse 14, and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. But Matthew is talking about the king who has come. Matthew is talking about the king who has come. And if we open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, if you've been a Christian for a while, most Christians just skip over Matthew chapter 1 because it's really, really, really tough to understand. In Matthew chapter 1, what happens is, sorry, I'm getting there too. I just went from Mark to Zechariah, a little overcorrect there. And we're back. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew opens the, his whole first chapter where he's talking about, the. and if you got the old King James, it talks about how Abraham begot someone. And what, what the newer translations or what that really means is Abraham was the father of Isaac. And so Matthew, when he opens his, his, his gospel, when he's talking about the birth and the coming of Jesus in Matthew 1 verse 1, he says this, the book of of the genealogy of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, the son of David and of Abraham. And then he goes on, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father. And he goes all the way through 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to exile, and 14 generations from exile to Jesus. He gives each and every generation of every father who's going down the line. He lists out all the generations, and he does this, uh, and he kind of put, proves his point or pulls it all back together in verse 17 where he says this, So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and all from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and all from the uh, deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Matthew here is not trying to do an ad for Ancestry.com. That's not what he's trying to do. He's not trying to get you to sign up for a subscription, right? That's not his goal. It did not exist back in those days. What he's trying to do is show that Jesus Christ came from a line of kings. He's establishing the kingship of Jesus Christ. Again, Matthew says the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God 37 times in his gospel. 
And so when he's talking about Jesus being born, he's not talking about the stable. He's not talking about uh, how, you know, God, he, Jesus was with God and all these things. He, he really is talking about how a king has come. In verse, uh, verses uh, 18 through 25, Matthew briefly tells about how Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married. But however, Mary was still a virgin when she conceived of Jesus. And Joseph decided that he wasn't going to put her away, but he was going to do the honorable thing and, and go ahead and, and marry her. In verse 26, after Jesus' birth, he was visited by wise men from the east. These wise men, a lot of times we hear the song, We Three Kings. These guys weren't kings. They were just wise men. They were like uh, really uh, leaders in their world, like thought leaders in what they did. They were um, uh, just kind of studied the stars, astrologers, and, and, and people like went to them for answers to their, their problems in their life. And so these wise men appear in Matthew's version of the Christmas story. And we're going to read this here in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men uh, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You can imagine Herod is the king, but the wise men come and say, Where's the king that was born? Where's this person that was born king of the Jews? Born king of the Jews means that Jesus was king by birthright. It was his birthright to be king. Let's keep reading. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it was written by the prophet and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, you, for from you, you shall... Sorry, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's what was written about Bethlehem. And then it says, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and, and ascertained from them at what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. And after the king listened, they went on their way. And behold, a, the star that had, they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And so the star, we see the star guiding them to the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw uh, the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then the opening their treasures, they offered gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. These gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh, these were used to honor newborn royalty. The, you would give gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to honor newborn ro royalty. And so this one, um, this Jesus who was born in uh, obscurity is likely, uh, is recognized by unlikely people. These wise men weren't from Israel. They were from the east. They were from like Persia or Babylon, like way out. And so these kings, these leaders, they, they, they saw that, 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 that there was something going on here. And so these unlikely people saw that he was the future king of Israel. 
This child whose birth was shrouded in suspicions of, Ill, of illegitimacy because, again, Matthew talks in verse 18 through 25 how Mary was conceived or Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She was still a virgin whenever she got pregnant. And so there's all these suspicions. In fact, Jesus came as God's legitimate appointee. And so the person that we see on the throne, Herod, is not there. He was a, he was a fraud. And so Jesus comes in and he's the real king. And so we see how the things sometimes times when you and I are going through life and things are like this certain way and you're like, well, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't happen. Sometimes the way that our life is, what is legitimately, what God is legitimately doing and what's reality, what we can really see is not the same thing, right? And so we have to rely on what God said. We have to rely on his promises and we have to realize that sometimes it's not going to come from the normal channels that we watch and the things that we see. But what we have to stay true to is God's word and his word that said that the king was going to be born in Bethlehem. He wasn't going to be born in some palace in Jerusalem. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. And because of that, uh, there was going to be a new kingdom that comes into being. Matthew continues the story. Matthew continues the story in verse 2, 16. Herod sought to destroy Jesus. He sent soldiers to kill every male child in Bethlehem, but Joseph fled with Mary and Jesus to Egypt. So not only was Jesus born in a stable, his family were refugees. His family were refugees. And just a side note, uh, I'm not going to meddle here too much, but this should absolutely inform how we treat refugees today. In chapter 3, Matthew introduces John the Baptist as the forerunner for Jesus, and his message was this. His message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so when we're reading Matthew's account, it's all about how there is a king that is coming. There's a kingdom that has arrived in the person of Jesus. Kingdoms have their own laws. Kingdoms have their own customs. They have their own language. They have their own economies. They have their own way of thinking. And the message is, is that all that happened before, all the systems that oppress people and people who are fighting control, to control each other, where sin and death ruled, all that happened before is giving way to a new king who is coming on the scene. That's Matthew's message. And so we see here that there cannot be a kingdom without a king. So the kingdom is coming, but if there's no king sitting on the throne, you kind of need a kingdom or king to have a kingdom, right? You kind of need for there to be a crown, there needs to be a head that the crown rests on. For there to be a domain, there needs to be a throne that controls the domain. And so in what Matthew is saying is this new kingdom is at hand. This new kingdom has arrived. And because this new kingdom is arriving in the person of Jesus Christ. In Matthew's Christmas story, we see the arrival of the kingdom of God in the person of Jesus Christ. What this tells us today is that if the version of Christianity that you were taught or the one that you've adopted or the one that you believe in or whatever it is, whatever version of Christianity that you have, if it allows you to align with Jesus on some topics, but doesn't allow him to actually sit on the throne of your life, then Matthew teaches us, and I would argue that your version of Christianity doesn't fit within the kingdom narrative. 
It's not just simply about aligning with Jesus. It's not about, yeah, um, Jesus said some good things, and I really like what he said about, you know, loving my, uh, loving my neighbor. I like what he said about, you know, taking care of the poor. I like how, like, he wasn't, like, super selfish, and, like, he fed people that needed to be fed. I like how he does that. But, you know, if the Bible says, you know, that I've got to love my neighbor— or I've got to pray for my enemies, or I've got to take care of refugees, or I've got to do that. You know, I, I don't like that part. And so I'm going to align with Jesus on the stuff that I want to align with him on, but the other stuff, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. What happens then is I'm still sitting on the throne of my life. And when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes into Matthew's story, a new king is coming, a new uh, law, a new custom, a new language, a new economy, a new way of living has arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. At some point, I've got to identify who is on the throne of my life. And if it's not Jesus, I've got to decide if I'm going to accept him or reject him as king. And if I accept him, then my heart, my thoughts, my life are now a part of his kingdom. Because he's the one that's on the throne. And so my challenge to you guys today is that you put Jesus in his rightful place. You put him on the throne of your life. You don't just align with him on the stuff that you agree with him on. But it's like, well, if Jesus says something and I think something different, then I got to change the way I think. I can't just like, continue to think the way that I want to think if it doesn't align with what Jesus teaches. If Jesus tells me to do something or the Holy Spirit leads me to have a conversation or, or, or the Bible says to, to do something a specific way and I say, you know what, that's just not what I agree to, then I'm not following Matthew's message in the Christmas story. Isaiah, hope has come. We talked about that last week. Hope has come. Hope has arrived. Everything that we hope for, everything that we desired, everything that the, the yearning that we have in our heart and being found in the person of Jesus Christ, that's what Isaiah teaches, right? And Luke, Luke tells us how it happened. John tells us that he is God. He's God made flesh. He's, 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 he's 100% human, but 100% God. We can trust him. We can rely on him. But Matthew tells us that he is king. And so for, for us, the commitment that we have to make and the question that we have to ask ourselves is this, is who is on the throne of my life? Who is on the throne of my life? This isn't just some simple little story about a baby and a cute little nativity scene. This is about who is on the throne, who is making the decisions in my life. Am I submitted to his leadership or am I committed to doing my own thing? We have to ask ourselves that. And Matthew's story of the nativity reminds us that Jesus has come as king.